Hi guys, welcome back to Don't Mind the Mess. In today's episode, I'm going to be chatting about cognitive... Cannot speak today, not even going to cut that out. (laughs) I'm going to be chatting about cognitive distortions. And if you're wondering what the heck they are, um, bear with me for a couple of minutes. But don't you hate when your mind tries to like distort reality and turns something into a really big deal and then you're kind of stuck in this thought loop and you're stuck in a negative thinking spiral, you have some really mean thoughts coming up, you can't even control or even rationalize them because they're just coming up so quickly and you're like, whoa, where the heck did this come from? Yes, this is what we're going to be talking about today because (laughs) it's so common and There are actually so many cognitive distortions, but I'm going to be focusing on 10 today and we're going to be breaking down these 10 distortions. I'm going to provide you with some examples as well. And then I'm going to provide you with two really great tools to use to challenge and overcome these distortions. So that's the spiel. If you're sitting here thinking, I don't have cognitive distortions, like let me prove you wrong right now because... 40% of our total thoughts are negative. So everyone has cognitive distortions and they're often automatic thoughts. They're often just a habit. And sometimes you don't even recognize you're having a distorted thought. Sometimes you don't even realize that your thoughts are negative and that you're reacting to them because you just feel like it's a part of you and you just feel like that this is just who I am, right? And sometimes when you have that mentality and when you're actually not paying attention to this negativity and this negative voice and these distortions in your mind, it can lead down a rabbit hole of negative thinking, intrusive thoughts, could also lead to anxiety and low self-esteem as well. So regardless of whether you're sitting here listening and whether you uh, suffer from regular anxiety or whether you don't, we all have cognitive distortions. And as you're probably going to realize when I'm rattling off the 10 that I'm going to talk about, when you think back, you're probably going to be like, yeah, like I actually had that thought or something like that the other day. And that's literally what happened to me when I was um, going through the info and the content for this episode. I was sitting there like, yep, done that. Yep, done that. Yep, done that. And I'm like, oh shit. But anyway, so I hope this episode is going to benefit you and I hope you learn something from it. Let's just dive right into it because this is going to be absolutely juicy. So you're probably wondering what happens in our brain to even get these negative thoughts? How do they come about? And essentially, the way I like to think about it is that the world contains a series of positive, negative, and neutral events just at random. And our brains process and understand these events, which in turn um, means that we interpret these events and interpret them in a way that is true to our belief system at the time or various events that have happened in our past that lead us to interpret an event in a certain way, which in turn, that leads to having a thought, then having a physical response, which we feel, which then leads to our mood and emotions, which are essentially our reactions to our thoughts. And you know, like, you know, sometimes when you're sitting there and you've 
beated yourself up or um, someone said something to you and you've processed it and then like a few seconds later um, and it feels like instantly to be honest um, you start to feel emotions in your body and you start to feel your mood shift and you feel that you know and that's you processing the thought or processing what's happening and so that's essentially what happens in our brain with a cognitive distortion as well, because when you um, listen to that thought in your head and when you're you're reacting to that thought, it essentially leads to a physical response, which then leads to affecting our mood and emotions, which sometimes can release an abnormal emotional response. And especially if the thoughts and the distorted thoughts that you're having are really negative about yourself. Like for example, I'm a failure. I'm never going to succeed in life. I'm never going to find love in life. You know, they can really make you feel, they can make you feel shit, right? And it sucks. And that can make you feel anxious. It can make you feel down. It can make you feel guilty. It can make you feel angry. And why do we have to sit there and just cop it and cop it and cop it all the time when we can use what I'm going to talk about later to reframe these distortions to help you think more clearly and to help you think more rationally, especially when you hear these thoughts come up as well. And so to paint this picture for you, I actually saw such a great analogy for this whole concept by uh, someone called Nandita Baska. She says that think of the world as a radio station that's broadcasting music. You are the radio and want to produce good sound, not static, right? Sometimes the signal from the station may be distorted because of bad weather, but more often than not, the static is just a result of improper tuning. And once you tune the radio, Almost miraculously, the harsh and grating sound turns into a beautiful melody. And she says, our minds are also like the radio. Some rigorous mental tuning can make our depression better and we can feel good, right? And this mental tuning involves breaking that vicious cycle of thoughts and sensations, generating moods and feelings, which in turn reinforce the thoughts and sensations, which cause spiraling emotion. So I just thought that that analogy was freaking awesome. And I think it's a great segue into talking about the 10 different types of cognitive distortions. And just a side note, there are way more than 10, but these are definitely the most common ones that I'm going to chat about. What I recommend doing is, is if you're at home and if you're kind of sitting and listening to this and you're in a mood to learn and write, then definitely grab out a notebook like what I did in the past and just jot down these 10 distortions because once you've written them down and you're then going to hopefully pay attention to them, you're going to be able to pick up, okay, that's this distortion, that's that distortion. But if you're not at home or if you're on the go and you're listening to this on the go, just paying attention to these and like relating them back to your own life is just going to be equally as important and equally as helpful for you. So the first cognitive distortion is called the all or nothing thinking or polarized thinking. And this distortion is the inability or unwillingness to see shades of gray. So you're getting two extremes in your thoughts. So if something is fantastic, then you believe you're perfect. But if something is awful, then you believe you're a total failure. And there's like no in-between here. It's like one extreme or the other. And that 
whole gray area can make you feel really panicky, can make you feel really stressed, and you just don't really see the shade of gray. And like, for example, if you were trying to like listen to a thought in your head that would be this all or nothing thinking, it might sound like if I don't do this perfectly, then I've failed or another one that's really common. um, And I've definitely done this before, but thinking like either I do it right or not at all. So that's the first cognitive distortion. The second cognitive distortion is what we call overgeneralization. And this distortion takes one instance or example and then generalizes it to an overall pattern. So like, for example, if you're a student at uni, high school, or if you've ever studied in your past and you got a C on a test, you got your grade back and you got a C the thought response to that is I'm stupid and I'm a failure or something along the lines like, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure. Like I got to see on this test. But the distortion to this thinking is that you're literally basing, you're labeling yourself and you're giving yourself the title of that you're stupid and that you're a failure, literally just on one instance or example. And then you're generalizing it to being the norm for you, which is probably and most likely wrong and it's not true right so that's the second one the third cognitive distortion is what we call a mental filter and this is similar to overgeneralization but this mental filter distortion focuses on a single negative piece of information and it absolutely excludes all of the positive ones. So this is a very pessimistic view of everything around you. So literally wearing that negative lens on your on your eyes and only focusing on the negative. For example, one partner in a romantic relationship um, dwells on a single negative comment made by the other partner and then views the whole relationship as hopeless, lost, it's doomed, it's a failure, um, my partner's mean to me or my partner doesn't appreciate me while ignoring all the years of positive comments and experiences. And so this can often be really common in a romantic relationship in the heat of a moment. Um, I know I've definitely had a distortion of this sort in my romantic relationship, but also with like friends as well. So that's number three, which is mental filter. Number four is jumping to conclusions. And this is the distortion and the belief that we know what another person is thinking. And yeah, like sometimes, you know, sometimes we're vaguely going to know what someone else is thinking, but we're not living in their minds. We're not mind readers. We actually have no idea what is going on in their mind and what they're thinking, what they're feeling um, most of the time. And so this puts a really negative interpretation of things. And the best way I can explain this in an example is, for instance, like, you know, when you meet someone at work and you might be at a new job or you may have been there for ages and you're meeting like a client or a friend at work or one of your colleagues, you're going up to them, right? And you're like, how's your day been? What have you been up to? And because they don't give you a warm 
enthusiastic, positive, happy vibe and they're kind of sitting there like dull and a bit down and a bit sad and they have potentially an unpleasant expression on their face, you well, not you, that's a bit harsh, your mind, and I'm definitely going to separate that because you are not your thoughts, but your mind jumps to the conclusion that they're thinking something negative about you and you put their expression and you personalize it and make it about you and your mind reading and thinking like, oh my gosh, like that, they must be like angry at me. They must be upset. Like, have I stuffed up the work paper? Have I done something wrong? Like, and in reality, it was probably just because they're hungover from their weekend and they're just like a bit drained and tired. And um, it most likely has absolutely nothing to do with you. That's number four. Number five is also jumping to conclusions, but with a slightly different approach. This is fortune telling instead. So this is the tendency to make conclusions and predictions about the future, but based on almost little to no evidence, but then holding that as like the gospel truth. There's no other outcome. This is what's happening. Finito. (laughs) I said finito so Aussie just then. I'm actually Italian. Um, But yeah, so that's as if it's like gospel truth. So for example, if you're single, right, and you have maybe had a rocky past with relationships and dating, uh, which I'm sure most of us have. Anyway, so a single person, they might be predicting that big because of this past or the fact that they haven't found their person yet, that they're never, ever going to find love or be in a happy and committed relationship, purely just based on that one fact that it's because they haven't found it yet already. Therefore, they're probably never going to find it. And in reality, there's just simply no way for them to know how their life is going to turn out, right? But they see this prediction as a fact rather than one of several possible outcomes. And I can probably vouch for most people on this earth that they have definitely jumped to this conclusion at some point in their life, or they've definitely had that thought that, oh shit, like if, because I haven't found love yet, probably not going to find it. Um, And it is a very, very common thing to fortune tell and jump to conclusions. So I wouldn't be surprised that most people listening right now are going to be like nodding their head and being like, ha, yep, done that. And it's so fine. If you are sitting here and you're putting your hand up and being like, yeah, I have definitely thought like that before, just know that it is totally okay. You are totally not alone and the fact that you're even able to identify and recognize this now is going to serve you so much good later. And just remind yourself that the mind, it's got this amazing ability to change all the time. So just because you're thinking this now, it doesn't mean that your thoughts are going to be like this forever. And it definitely doesn't mean that your mindset's going to be like this forever. So please know that this is a no shaming space. I don't want you to shame yourself if you are listening to this and being like, oh shit, take it as a learning perspective and take it as you're learning more about yourself right now. And we're definitely going to be using this later on with the reframing techniques I'm going to be chatting to you about as well. Anyway, 
Then we've got this, this catastrophizing magnification distortion. And this is, oh, this is, this is my, my worst enemy here, this catastrophizing distortion. I tend to do this a lot and definitely with health and stuff. And this cognitive distortion is when you exaggerate the meaning or the importance or the likelihood of things. And that definitely skews your perception of the reality. So like, for example, if you're a basketball player and you've been playing basketball for years and you're generally a really good all-round player, if that basketball player potentially made a mistake on the court in a game, they will magnify the importance of that mistake and believe that they are a terrible teammate, they ruined the game, they're going to get booted off the team and all of that when in reality everyone else on the court probably didn't even notice that you made that mistake because it was all in your head. And it's definitely magnified and catastrophized so much when you buy into that thought and then it can just get on this huge spiral of, I ruined the game, I ruined the game. And then, oh my gosh, that means that my coach is going to hate me forever. That means my teammates are going to hate me. I'm going to have no friends. And then you end up beating yourself up and catastrophizing over um, something that you did or you making a mistake when in reality it actually isn't as big of a deal as what your mind is making it out to be. So that's magnification and, and catastrophizing. Then number seven is emotional reasoning. And this one's really interesting because I think it's going to come as a surprise to you because you are probably going to sit here and be like, wait, what? Like, but listen, trust me when I tell you this. So, you know, when you have the thought pattern that if I feel it, then it must be true or like, oh my gosh, like I, I felt that emotion. Therefore I must be that emotion or I must be feeling this. That's actually not true at all. And a lot of what happens in therapy or when you see a psych is that they actually try and separate you from your thoughts or you from your emotions, because essentially thoughts are neither true or false. They're simply just passing mental events that we choose to attach meaning to. And the same with emotions. Like sometimes we have absolutely no control over our emotions and they happen so bloody quickly that you don't even register sometimes that you just got scared. And then you're like, oh, wait, I just got scared. Like, you know, so learning to um, separate yourself. But anyway, this emotional reasoning distortion says that if you're feeling it or if you're thinking it, then it must be true. And the way that I like to, I guess, ease my mind when this kind of comes up, because it does, is that we have over 60,000 thoughts per day on average. (laughs) Isn't that just wild that we have this many thoughts? And if we truly believed every single one of them, then essentially what we would be doing is acting upon every single one of them, which just never happens, right? Like, and think about all the times that you are paying attention to your thoughts and your thought just says something absolutely weird as like, imagine if you just went and acted on that right now, there's just some things that you just don't act upon. And that's literally separating you from your thoughts. 
And so an example of this potentially is you thinking to yourself, I am a failure because I feel like a failure. And that's not true. You might feel like a failure because you may not have lived up to your own expectation of yourself with something, but it doesn't mean that you are a failure. And that's what this emotional reasoning distortion does. It makes you believe that whatever you're feeling is what you are. Number eight, this distortion is the should statement distortion. And these are statements that you make to yourself about what you should, ought, or must do, or like having these statements about other people as well. So this distortion places a set of really unrealistic expectations and ones that will more likely than not never be met by you or others because they're often linked to perfectionism and this idea of this perfect world in our head that to an extent we all have. And it would essentially only happen in a perfect world in your eyes. And I'm doing like quotation bubble with my fingers. But yeah. Um, So this can often result in like a heap of guilt because we can't live up to these expectations or feeling disappointment, which can cause all sorts of anger and resentment. And oh, this literally happened to me the other week. I was at work and I was having a banter with this guy from my work and there were a couple of people listening in or whatever. And he was talking about, what was he talking about? He... Oh, that's right. He was talking about feedback that we got back from customer at work. And he was saying like, I've got this really good feedback. And as a joke and as a banter, I was like, oh, like, is it about me? Like, surely I've got some good feedback coming in here. Like I'm doing a stellar job. And then he's like, nah, it's about me. And just to be a complete goose and just absolutely banter just in a split second I go to him I'm like oh well then like whatever like I'm just gonna zone out but like it was in a funny context like it wasn't me actually being mean and to be honest like when I think about that if it wasn't in that banter context that would be so mean to say to someone but just because it was like such a light-hearted chat and we were just taking the piss um it was just like appropriate and Anyway, then he's like, nah, 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 like, and we're laughing it off and whatever. Then five minutes later, I was starting to get these like should statements come up. I was going to be like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. What if I offended him? Oh, I should just stop bantering and keep my mouth shut because what if he's really upset? And then what if he hates me? And yeah, like, I don't want to make him feel bad. And one thing led to another and I went in this ridiculous thought spiral about this stupid banter comment that I made that was totally in the logical part of my brain, totally funny and just nothing was wrong with it, right? Like he was laughing, like whatever. And it fully got me. I fully got so stuck in this should statement um, that I actually went up to him and I was like, hey, mate, about before, I didn't mean to offend you. I was just trying to be funny. You know, it was just a banter. Like, I'm so sorry if I took it too far. And he was looking at me and he was like, um, what the heck are you talking about? He did not even 
remember what I even said. And then, and I was like, oh, like, you know, about like the feedback thing. And he was like, oh, don't even worry about it. And then, yeah, instant relief. I was like, oh, thank goodness for that. But see what I mean? How our mind can just play tricks on us. And when we get caught into these should statements, it can be so ridiculous and we can just get sent on an absolute tangent. But if you ever get sucked in, just know that I'm with you on this one, okay? So anyway, number nine is when you label and mislabel a thought or you label yourself. So when you use a label to describe a behavior or an error, and that's essentially, you're essentially assigning a judgment of value to yourself or others based on literally one experience only. So like, for example, saying to yourself, um, I'm dumb and I'm stupid because you didn't study for this test and then you got your result back and you failed it. And then your mind's like, oh, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm never going to succeed. And you start labeling yourself as dumb, stupid, an idiot, et cetera, et cetera. So the lucky last distortion that I'm going to be talking about is personalization. And if you're kind of seeing the theme here, it's basically all just negative and assigning labels, blame, um, extreme negative thoughts and putting them onto yourself. And personalization is quite similar to the others that I was chatting about, but it's when you are assigning a blame to yourself without any logical reason. So for example, if someone around you is feeling down or sad and you you know, you just see them for the first time in the day and you're like, oh, like they look a bit sad. You automatically think that you caused that problem when in reality, it probably doesn't have anything to do with you at all, but the mind personalizes it and makes that situation about you. It has no actual reasoning behind it. So that's number 10, which is personalization. So you're probably wondering, what can I do about this? Because I'm definitely going to bank on the fact that at least some point in your life, you have um, experienced one or a couple of these distortions. And if you're brave enough to put your hand up and be like, yeah, you know what? I have definitely thought like that before. I hope you're going to be able to really benefit from these two techniques that I'm going to share to help you to reframe these thoughts so that you can literally shove them back where they came from and you're able to reframe and think. Um, and I'm not going to say more positively because it's not a matter of positive or negative here. It's simply a matter of, I guess, being logical and illogical or rational and irrational. And I want you to be able to start thinking more rationally. And I want you to be able to start um, reframing and examining the evidence, which are the two tools I'm going to be talking about. So technique one is cognitive reframing. And this is a four-part reframe that you can literally do on the spot. You don't have to get the journal out, but if you want to, you totally can. But you can literally just do this on the go, whether you're driving, whether you're catching up with a friend and you um, hear one of these thoughts come up. It takes probably no more than 30 seconds to do. 
and it is so, so easy and effective. So many studies have actually supported this cognitive reframing because it links to cognitive behavioral therapy and that's where you're actually reframing and rewiring the thought processes in your thoughts. So the first thing you're going to do in this technique is to identify the thought. So the way I like to do this is put the statement, I had a thought that in front of whatever the thought is. So it could be, okay, so I had a thought that if I don't do this perfectly, then I have failed. And when you're adding those few words, I had a thought that, it actually serves as a really great tool to separate you from your thoughts. And that's what I was talking about before, because you are not your thoughts. Thoughts are not facts and you are not your thoughts and feelings. You're not what they are. They can stand parallel. They can stand separate and it's up to you what you choose to do with that thought. So just by putting, I had a thought that in front of it helps to create that distance and that space and helps you to realize that you and your mind don't have to be intertwined and they don't have to be connected. They can actually serve as two separate um, entities. Wow, that was so businessy and accounting. <laughs> they can serve as like two separate things. So that's the first thing, just saying, I had a thought that if I don't do this perfectly. My boss is going to fire me. I failed, blah, blah, blah. Step two is to then identify the distortion that it links to. When you're able to identify this distortion, it's going to help you to be like, okay, like now I know this is a distortion. It's not just an automatic and normal thinking process for me. This is actually distorted and I can do something about it. So it's going to empower you. So for that example, I just said that kind of seems like it's the all or nothing way of thinking. So in your mind, this seems like it's the all or nothing way of thinking here. This seems like my thought is distorted a little bit and that is totally okay. So that's step two, just being able to identify. Step three is reframing the thought in a more logical way. And this calls for a bit of creativeness here. This calls for a bit of like talking to yourself and I guess making it a bit more gray as we were talking about before. So if this was me and if I had this thought that if I don't do it perfectly, then I've failed, the way I would reframe and be like, okay, well, the chances are that I probably won't do it perfectly because let's be real, nobody is perfect. But even if I do stuff it up, yeah, it, it may be embarrassing or scary, but if I do stuff it up, I can take it as a learning experience and it's most definitely not going to kill me. I'm not going to die from it. People make mistakes all the time and it's human. And I guess it means that I can try again next time and improve. And so rationalizing the thought and making it a bit more logical and using that logical part of my brain, um, I don't know what the correct terminology is. I'm not a neuroscientist. I actually have no freaking clue. But using that logical part of your brain to reframe and put it back into perspective so it doesn't seem so irrational and distorted. And when you're able to talk to yourself like that, over time, you're going to get better at weighing up 
what is actually an issue and what is simply just distorted and exaggerated in your mind. And you're going to become so, so good at filtering out distorted thoughts, good thoughts, shit thoughts, whatever. You're going to become so good at just letting things go more and you're going to be so good at hearing it, not getting worked up by it and being able to just move on and go by the rest of your day and not letting it affect you as much as it may have in the past. And that basically is step four in itself. So step four is being able to say to yourself, okay, what can I do right now for myself that is going to help me to continue on with my day and um, make the best out of whatever I'm doing today or right now? And so ask that to yourself. Be like, what do I need right now for myself? How can I support myself? What do I want to do? And when you're able to sit there and be like, okay, right now I'm going to go home. I'm going to put my um, runners on and I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk with the dog. And then when I get back, I'm going to cook dinner. Um, When you actually set that task for yourself, it's going to be so easy for you to just be like, yep. Okay. Thoughts done. I've had enough of beating myself up. Let's move on. Let's get on with the rest of the day. And that's going to help you to go back to the present moment and to anchor yourself and be like, okay, whatever happened in my head just then, whatever I started getting worked up about or whatever I started feeling shit about, it doesn't matter now that's done. I have shit to do and I'm going to go take the dog for a walk and I'm going to go cook dinner and then I'm going to have a really good rest of the night. And that's step four. So the last little technique I want to provide you, and I'm going to keep this one quite short because I don't know if you can hear, but my voice is definitely on its way out for today. But the second technique is examining evidence. And I like this technique because I love analyzing things. I love looking at pros and cons. And if you're someone who loves making like advantages and disadvantages lists or pros and cons on whether you should do something, this one is going to really benefit you and you're going to really love this technique. But when you hear that thought and when you've done step one for the cognitive reframing, so being able to identify the thought and be like, okay, so I had a thought that if I don't do this perfectly, then I've failed for whatever reason. Instead of step three, reframing, what you can actually do is, is examine evidence. So you can be like, okay, I want to try think about, and I want to challenge the thought by providing myself with three examples or pieces of evidence to prove that that thought is distorted. For example, with that, if I don't do this perfectly, then I failed thought. What I would say to myself then is, okay, to be completely honest with you, Sarah, I haven't failed at this in the past. I've actually been quite successful because I did this, this, and this. And then providing three examples as to why you're not a failure or as to why that this thought is irrational. When you're able to do this, you're able to prove to yourself and be like, I'm actually not what this thought is telling me. And I've actually had some great successes along the way. And it kind of puts into perspective that for one, it is so, so normal to doubt yourself and to have these negative thoughts, but also to realize that you are not your thoughts. Like what I'm going back to again and again and again in this podcast episode is that you are not your thoughts and your thoughts are simply just made to protect you and are made to sometimes make you doubt yourself and whatever, but it doesn't mean that it is true and it doesn't mean that it defines you. 
Okay, so that is the end of this episode. I hope that you have learned um, something about cognitive distortions and I hope that this episode helps you to reframe those really icky and distorted thoughts that you may have, whether it be about work, career, relationship, yourself and your self-belief. It doesn't matter. Just know that you are not your thoughts and just know that you have the power to reframe and change your thoughts because that is literally how the brain works. So I hope this episode has helped you. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you back here for the next episode. Bye.